Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here today. Aren't you glad to be in God's house? My heart is full, isn't yours, as we've worshiped the Lord together. Today we're in the book of Deuteronomy, and we're in chapter... <clears throat> we're in book, book of Deuteronomy, and we're in chapter number 5. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I wish you would follow. We're continuing a series of messages, and so uh, if uh, you wonder why we've picked this text for the day... It's the next uh, text in this series of messages. We're preaching through the Ten Commandments and looking at them. We've called this series Foundations. It's Foundations of Reconstruction. It's Foundations of Restoration. It's Foundation in Rightly Relating to God and to Man. And when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see, there must be a foundation that is under us, and that's a moral foundation as well. And God gave us these ten commands. They are ten words, unlike any other words that are found in all of language or literature or religion. They are uh, these great words. They're from the very finger of God on the mountain of God, on Mount Horeb or Sinai, that God gave to Moses and to the children of Israel and for all of us. And so today we're going to look at the next in the series of these commandments, and, um, and it is do not murder. Do not murder. And so we want to spend some time talking about that. You see, the foundation of a society or a culture or a family or marriage or life is found in having a right relationship with God and then a right relationship with one another. We just prayed for reconciliation, as Jill led us in that beautifully. And as, as the truth of the matter is, we're to be reconciled with holy God and we're to live reconciled lives with one another. We're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Jesus said that's the first and greatest commandment. But then he said the second is similar to it, like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, he said, hang all of the law and the prophets. All of the law, all of the Ten Commandments is on this, to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that is the royal law. Jesus himself said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We call that the golden rule. Well, the truth of the matter is, when you do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you're loving your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is the law and the prophets. So it brings us to this text today. You shall not murder. Do not murder. Only three words in this translation, the CSB today. Do not murder. You see, murder is the work of the evil one. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he says concerning the devil, he says, you are, you are children of your father. Your father is a liar. He's getting on to the religious leaders. He says he is the father of lies. He's a murderer from a beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Satan is a liar and a thief and a destroyer. That's who he is. He's a murderer. Murder is rooted in selfishness. Murder is rooted in our own selfishness, our own deception and sin. It is rooted in our desire to be God ourselves. Now listen closely. It's rooted in our desire to judge other people, 
our desire to supplant others and our desires to get what I want. It's rooted in our anger, a lashing out at others and a lashing out at God. Here's what murder really says. I want what I want more than I want you to live. I want what I want more than I want you to live. That's in the heart of murder. I'm going to say some very hard things today, difficult things, hard to hear. Today's message will run against the stream of culture in some ways. But I ask you to have an open heart and mind to it. I tell you it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand firmly on the truth of God's word and not be moved along with the stream of culture's thinking. Because there's only life in the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we need to speak the truth in love. Because I'm telling you, love is what will transform this world. Amen? Amen. We live in an angry, violent time. Murder is common, and there's a callous disregard for human life. Pope John Paul II rightly called our culture a culture of death. We see it in school shootings, senseless drive-by shootings, gang-related killings, road rage, and murder. We see it in the murder that's taking place in our world. The American Psychological Association said by a time that a child finishes elementary school, that child witnesses 8,000 murders on television and countless bloody losses of life in video games that celebrate killing. Dr. Colonel David Grossman, a psychologist with the United States Army, is a colonel, and he wrote and he said, he's an expert, by the way, in overcoming the natural reluctance to kill in training of soldiers. And he says, watching these children who watch TV and play these video games, he says they're using the very same, they're subjected to the same methods that we use to train soldiers and special forces. No wonder many experts believe that media involvement with our children has doubled the homicide rates in America. It's a culture of death. Murder is in our culture. In the Illinois, Doug Babwin wrote with Associated Press News on 1-1-2021, Concerning Chicago murders, there were 769 homicides in Chicago, 274 more than 2019. 
4,033 shooting victims. And the worst weekend for killing in Chicago, you know what weekend it was? Memorial Day weekend. On Memorial Day itself, 18 were shot dead. 80, nearly 80 policemen have been shot at. In Cook County, where Chicago's a part of that county, there were 900-plus homicides in Cook County last year. And you say, man, I wouldn't want to live in Chicago. Well, I'm not done. St. Louis. St. Louis is the number one murder rate in the United States of America among major cities. It is the murder capital of the United States per capita. 87 murders per 100,000 people, 262 homicides. It's been labeled the most dangerous city in America. We live in a culture of murder and death. Murder is in us, it's around us, it's in the culture. But there's not only the murder of homicides, there's the murder of ourselves. This death of ourselves, self-inflicted murder, Suicide. According to the CDC, there were 47,511 murdered people murdered themselves this year. It's the number 10 cause of death in the United States is suicide. In Illinois, there's a 41% increase of suicide ages 10 to 24 years old. Nationally, the increase in that statistic is 57.4%. 130 people commit suicide every day. And it's glamorized in some quarters, especially among young people. It's the second leading cause of death in 15 to 24-year-olds. It's the seventh leading cause of death among teenage girls. The murder of yourself. But that's not only the kind of murder that's happening there's the murder of infants in the womb. The murder of infants in the womb, abortion, increased 7% in 2018 in Illinois. In Illinois, there were 42,441 induced abortions. In Madison County, Illinois, nearly 500. In St. Clair County, Illinois, 684. Nearly 1,200 people 1,200 babies murdered. In Cook County, Illinois, 23,189 lives were butchered in the mother's womb. Guttmacher, who estimates nationally that induced abortions equaled 862,300 last year in the United States. That is 2,360 per day. Every 1.9 seconds, a baby is killed in its mother's womb. We've had a lot of emphasis on COVID-19 deaths, and certainly we should. What a terrible thing this pandemic and I thank God we're seeing things get moved in a better way amen according to the Chicago Tribune January 1st 2021 there were 16,000 deaths in Illinois 
from COVID-19, many, many more affected. This is close to my heart. But deaths by murder are far greater problem than coronavirus. Death by murder and a virus more rampant than coronavirus is the sinful infection in our souls that kills one person killing another. Because we want what we want more than we want another person to live. Am I speaking the truth? What is murder? I'm glad you asked. What is it? Let's look at it together. It is taking a life that God has given. And that's what it is. It's the taking of a life that God has forgiven. The Hebrew word that is found, I want us to look in the book of Genesis, will you? The, the book uh, in chapter number one, we're going to look at in just a moment. The Hebrew word here for murder is the Hebrew word ratzah. There are two Hebrew words for killing or murder, just like in English. The word kill, thou shalt not kill, has been, that's the way it's translated in the King James Version. But honestly, when King James translated that, the word kill meant murder at that time. Almost all modern translations translate it, thou shalt not murder, because there's two different Hebrew words for murder. One is the anger premeditated killing of another person or a manslaughter, the neglect and careless killing of another person, which is murder. But there's also the idea of killing a person that's different. That's not talking about capital punishment or war. That's different. In English, we use the two words differently also. You know, you murder somebody or you kill someone. The Hebrew word harag versus ratzah. And one is illegal, immoral, taking of human life. This is the word that is used here in the Ten Commandments. For instance, you say, well, thou shalt not kill. Some people apply that crazily. And you have a mosquito, and I don't want to kill it. You shouldn't kill. Well, listen, if that mosquito is sucking blood from my arm, I'm going to kill it. And not feel guilty at all. And I know later this spring there will be an invasion of little ants into our kitchen. It happens every year. I don't know how. And these little bitty, you know what I'm talking about? Little bitty ants that come in my house. And Christy says, we have an invasion of ants. You should see the woman. She slaughters them by the thousands. <laughs> but killing little ants is not the same as taking a human life. Thou shalt not murder. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 1, Genesis 1, I think it's good to go back to the creation of man and understand why murder is such a serious and heinous crime. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse number 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, they will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man, now watch, in his own image. He created him, singular him, in the image of God. He created them, plural, two genders, male and female. God creates mankind. And in mankind, there are two genders, male and female, and both of those genders 
are in the image and the likeness of God himself. In chapter number 2, verse number 7, listen. And the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And listen, stay with me. Breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And man became a living being. What made man a living being? The very breath of God. The word, the Hebrew word there for breath is the Hebrew word ruach. It's sometimes translated spirit. It's sometimes translated wind. It is sometimes translated breath. And what made these, this clump of clay that was formed into a man to become a living being is the breath of God. And every living human being, every beating heart is designed by Almighty God and His breath makes them alive. Life comes from God, not from man. God, life comes from God, not nature. Night, life comes from God, not just some cosmic luck. It is the hand of God. In chapter number 3, verse number 19. Chapter number 3 of Genesis, verse number 19. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, for since you were taken from it, for you are dust and you will return to dust. This is after the sin of man. Remember, the man and the woman sinned against holy God in the garden, as all of us have done. And that sin brought death to them. God said, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. The judgment on man's sin and rebellion against God was death. Immediately, they died spiritually, and progressively, they began to die physically. And he says, life and death are mine. I made you, I gave you life, and I will give you death. Life and death are in the very hand of God himself. And so man should not usurp what is only God's authority. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 1, we have the story. It's the next generation of Adam and Eve. This is, the, this is what sin does. It moves you radically and quickly from sinning against God to murder of one another. In chapter number 4 of verse number 1, I'll read the story to you. The man was intimate with his wife, Eve, that's Adam, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have a male child with the Lord's help, and she also gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. And Cain, now watch, was furious. Now you see the anger? He wants what he wants. And he looked despondent. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? Now listen, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching 
at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must overcome it. God's pleading with him, Cain, don't do this thing. Cain, just repent and do what's right, and you'll be accepted. But Cain wants wants what he wants more than he wants his brother to live. And notice what he does. Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out in the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Murder. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian, keeper? He said, what have you done? God said, what have you done? Now listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now listen to me. You took his life, and his life is in his blood. And his blood you shed. And his blood cries out to me for justice. You have usurped my role. Life and death comes from me. And you have murdered your brother. Wow. Murder wants what I want. Murder disrespects your brother. Murder dishonors God's authority. Murder kills the life that God breathed into a man or woman or boy or girl. The blood has life in it, and the blood screams to the God of heaven for justice. When you murder, you take a life, and you are accountable to him for that innocent life. Amen? Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter number 9. Genesis, chapter number 9. Noah, after the flood... God says to him in verse number four, however, you must not eat meat with lifeblood in it, and I will require a penalty for your lifeblood. I will require it from any animal, from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Now listen, whoever sheds human blood, by humans his blood will be shed, for God made humans in his image. Wow. God takes the taking of life as seriously. When when you murder, you take a life, and you're accountable to him for taking that life. Many years ago, I was involved in a situation where there had been a murder of a baby. It was terrible and tragic. It was a heinous crime against this baby. The baby was left in the care of a man who was a girl's, the mother's boyfriend. And the mother's boyfriend was jealous about the baby because it wasn't his baby. And he was jealous because the baby got more attention than he did from his wife. In his pers- and the baby demanded too much attention. So in the coldest, cruelest manner, he took the baby to a 
park where there was a swing. He put the baby in a swing, was swinging the baby. And he took a baseball bat. And as the baby swung, he killed the baby by hitting it in the head. Immediately killing the baby. Cold-blooded murder. I want what I want more than I want you to live. But abortion is just as heinous crime against life. Breaking into a mother's womb and dismembering human life by a mother who's willing to participate in it and a so-called healthcare professional and their blood cries out to God for justice. It's the shedding of innocent blood. There's a penalty for murder. There's a penalty for manslaughter. In that passage in Genesis chapter 9, he says, when you shed innocent blood, I will require that at your hand. Amen. There's a death penalty for killing and for murdering life. In the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, whenever you murder a person and you do it with intentionality and in a premeditated way, then you have forfeited your life and you come under judgment yourself that you yourself will lose your life, life for life, death for death. That was the law. But even in an innocent, not an innocent, even in a a situation of manslaughter, where there's an accidental death, there's still been a death, and the death requires a death. That's the law. So in manslaughter, the rules and regulations for that are as if you've caused, even if you go out into the woods, and you're swinging an axe, and there the axe handle, because of your carelessness, the axe handle, the, uh, the, the axe head goes away from the axe handle and hits your brother while you're working together and it kills him, then you're responsible for his death. They didn't have the system like sheriffs that, like we do today in the Old Testament, so they had what they call the avenger of blood. This would be a kinsman, somebody that was a part of the family. And whenever there had been the shedding of blood, this avenger of blood would then say, then your life must die. I pursue you, and I will kill you because you killed my brother. But God made a provision, and this was a provision. It's in the Old Testament. Stay with me. And the provision were cities of refuge, and the children of Israel and all of the territories of Israel where the tribes were dispersed. There were cities of designation that are called cities of refuge. Are you familiar with this story? And in the cities of refuge, that man who had caused a death could run to the city of refuge and hide there. And there would be then a hearing about what had happened among the elders. And he could stay in the city of refuge. But he would forever have to be cautious and careful about his own life where he might have not been careful when he caused somebody else to die. And he would have to stay in the city of refuge. If he left the city where he's confined, then the avenger of blood could take his life. You say, Pastor, that's terrible. Well, it was God's provision for these cases. But something very curious was in the law. Now stay with me. 
We're going to get to the gospel. The provision was this. You could stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. And the year that the high priest dies, then the, then the person that was taking refuge in the city of refuge was free and could no longer be killed by the avenger of blood. You say, Pastor, what's that about? Because in the Bible, what it's saying is another man's death, an innocent man, a high priest that stands before God, when he dies, it takes the place of the death you deserve. Oh, do you see it? And there's a great high priest, and his name is Jesus. And he died the death that we deserved so that we might be set free from the penalty of death on us. Isn't that good news? That's the greatest news I know in all the world. You see, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you all agree that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God? The Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says there is none of us righteous, not even one. You see, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. But here's the good news. God has loved us. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. God has in his great rich mercy, because of great love that he's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved and raised with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have all sinned, and we're all guilty, and we all deserve death. But God has demonstrated his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you, and he died for me, and he died for our sins. And the Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is my Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from death. Saved to life. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, I, the thief, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that you have life and that life abundant. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. God offers you life. Amen? Life for death. Because Jesus died the death we deserve so that we can have life. This sermon is not finished. I'm just introducing the very first part of the message. You have to come next week. Online, you've got to join me next week. Because next week we're going to talk about murder, not only physical aspects of murder, stay with me, but Jesus takes this truth of this commandment and he applies it to how we murder in our relationships. 
And so we're going to talk about how do we take this commandment in our interpersonal relationships and how that we are careful not to be murdering in our relationships, not hating one another. The Bible says in 1 John, if we hate, we're a murderer. By killing unjustly, by cursing other people. We're going to look at that. I'm not going to preach that sermon today. But next week, we'll continue this message. But then we're going to look at the, from the negative side, you shall not murder, to the positive side, how shall we live? Let me give you a hint. The thing that overcomes murder in our heart is love in our heart. And that's what we're going to look at next week as we look into God's Word together. But it begins today with a transformation that only God can make in our hearts. Because if we're truthful, there's a murderous heart in us. And if we're truthful, there's anger in us, resentment in us. I want what I want more than I want you to live. And that murder that's in our heart, God can transform us to being like his son, Jesus. That's the greatest news I know in all the world. But it begins by this. Now listen, by personally trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you trusted him? Have you put your faith in him? He'll save you. He'll forgive you. And he'll give you life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's so true. It's so transformative. Father, I thank you for this commandment. We shall not murder. And Lord, we're convicted because we live in a culture of murder. A culture that devalues life. A culture that devalues relationships. God, forgive us. God, we confess our sin and we turn to Jesus and we ask you forgive us and heal us and save us. In Jesus' name, amen.